this is Raz Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode something. We're recording this very early compared to when this is going to be posted. Uh, this is our post-mortem episode on Blades in the Dark, The Blind Eyes. Uh, we're recording this a week after we finished the campaign itself. And so, uh, of course, it wouldn't make sense to post the post-mortem until we posted all those episodes. A lot of posting going on. Um, so... The uh, and you know, as, as as you have listened to by now, there are 24 episodes in the campaign, so yeah. And uh, right now, RPPR has just posted like the fourth episode, so it's going to be a, a hot minute <laughs> before we get to it. Uh, but we it's better to record this now before we uh wait eight months or whatever and try to remember the campaign after an eight month you know period. So I hope all of you still have electricity to listen to this. And- <laughs> Eight months. Oh yeah, a distant, distant future. Yeah, and you're not uh, like listening to this on some sort of exercise bike you've hooked <laughs> to a generator to power your enclave. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or good uh, luck out there from the past. No, they're they're. Sorry, bi- we fucked it up. Yeah, <laughs> their Biden uh, administration assigned for Sona will help them uh, in these dark times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, I mean, that's that you fight for your tribe. Yeah. And their persona is basically your <laughs> mascot. Yeah. So. yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we have uh, most of the primary cast. Uh, Baz took a hiatus from the campaign. So uh, we love and respect Baz here. But uh, yeah, he, he, sir, not appearing in this campaign uh, post mortem. But um, yeah, so we have uh, Caleb, Burke, uh, Bill, and Aaron here, um, who, of course, were uh the blind eyes and uh and I, I guess I'll begin this by sort of setting of like how most RPPR campaigns uh have been the GM has come up with an idea for a campaign like some sort of concept of like oh wouldn't this be cool you know tribes of Tokyo what if you're fighting vampires in Tokyo and and secretly there's some Cthulhu mythos bullshit and uh but you you really play it off as long as you can um. Last tra- Peyton, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> or Godsteed, your Delta Green Cell. But <laughs> you're all secretly working for, well, working, cursed, something, a bast. It's complicated. Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you, and then, of course, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and, of course, yeah. Uh, uh, so, but Blaze in the Dark. Um, started because uh you know last year we couldn't meet in person and um we basically wanted a a a a campaign um and i just i asked caleb like what would you want to play since caleb you had time to play in a campaign uh for once yeah yeah yeah. uh and you said blades in the dark and i said all right i'll i'll just start running blades in the dark and that was it like so it was i guess how most actual rpg campaign start is like do you want to run this and like okay and then the game starts uh <laughs> was it like aha i have an idea uh, and it was nice because it was on a, a weekend and i normally can't play weekend games because i think it's a bad idea because like when the world is functioning you go you always have to go someplace on a weekend and the game always gets canceled but weekends were deleted as a concept so just every saturday i was in my PJ pants and not going anywhere because the world was ending. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it, it sort of had room to expand and become its own thing from those humble origins. When it turned out, 
nothing was really demanding my time on Saturdays for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we Which just. Which is kept- why my utterly stupid character concept was around for way too long. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> drove Flake through the ground. I apologize. <laughs> but uh, it's not something that Ross hasn't done before. And I don't know what you're talking about. I learned from him. <laughs> what, uh, what are you talking about? My characters are richly <laughs> nuanced uh, character studies. I was just doing what daddy does. <laughs> I, I think I speak for the rest of the of the group when I say we all stand Flake. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, Flake was certainly, uh, I mean, every character uh, in this campaign um, was, yeah, uh, 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 colorful, interesting, good. I like them. I, I stand them all. Um, the Because, I mean, you could, especially by the end, there there were, uh, I think every character did have its have their moments. Um, and there was a lot of good contrast between uh, player characters. So, like, there was good conflict in scenes. Um, so, but yeah, I just kind of, I think, I mean, um, for me, the early campaign is of course just learning blades in the dark because it is, I, I, although I'd had run scum and villainy, um, there are differences. So I, you know, I learned scum and villainy before I learned blades in the dark, which is the opposite order of how those games were written. It was first (laughs) blades in the dark and then scum and villainy. So it's like, Oh, things I had learned in scum and villainy are actually not correct in blades in the dark, uh, which was slightly, oops. Uh, and um, sort of getting used to the the mindset that you have to have for a good Blades in the Dark game, um, and then just of course immersing myself in the the learning this the 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 setting and how it works, um, which we'll get into later. But um, yeah, so for me it was just almost like running just a series of one shots, but with the same characters. Uh, so there was there's not a whole lot else other than you guys are smugglers, do a crime. Um, but yeah. Um, Bill, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on the early campaign, I guess? First couple episodes. So so I thought a lot about this, actually, because, I mean, cards on the table, I probably preferred the earlier part of the campaign more than the latter. Uh, but, like, I, I am not, like, critiquing, like, you having a plot, Ross. It's the confines of, of doing this as a podcast that this thing needed to move along. But, like, there's this... So I remember like reading Blades uh, back in 2016, and just like being awed at the the levels at which the uh, the resource management mechanics work. And like with an outright plot, it's harder to see that happen. Mm-hmm. So so that's what tends to nudge me towards the earlier parts. I I wish you know to a certain extent, I almost wish this wasn't a recorded thing that that needed a more defined endpoint. So we could have turned it into okay, what thing do we need next on the, on the crew sheet? How do we find one? How do we go get it? What is the fallout from going and getting it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We basically ignored that part of the meta game. Uh, But I do, I do find it interesting though, because like that is essentially blades in the dark as designed. It is just a sandbox. And if you are going to find a narrative through line through it, you have to navigate that by picking that up in the sandbox. Um, uh, but what that means is, is like by the aspect of picking up a single narrative through line, um, by the necessity of doing that, you kind of restrict yourself into like certain styles of play and focus. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting as a design level, as in the game, 
kind of refuses to give you anything to do that. Like there is no firewall campaign as a baseline or something in Blades in the Dark. And that's a conscious choice. But uh, by choosing to do that, like you kind of have to make that metagame part yourself or just sort of endlessly play until you stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. and that that's sort of what I meant by not having an idea when I ran the campaign. Like, I, mm-hmm. like normally I would create some sort of framing ne- ne- mechanism to sort of drive a narrative, and this one was not. And then blades, and yeah, obviously certain some games have that sort of built in. Like you mentioned, firewall and eclipse phase, uh, but blades in the dark very much does not. So it's just how to do crimes in this city, and you have to yeah engineer your own narrative. yeah there's not really a success a success mechanic because mm-hmm. like if you die or if you like retire the million dollars you're still retired mm-hmm. uh and um yeah so i don't know it's, it's kind of interesting to think about it um, yeah um and, I, I don't have a judgment of it but yeah. from a game design perspective yeah. um burke are there any thoughts you have on the early campaign especially those first few episodes where we're sort of getting our legs yeah uh, probably somewhere of a in the plot centrism uh, column on this one is that I liked the early stuff. Like I don't think blades or, or most PBTA stuff allow uh, functions well for a twenty four session campaign. As much fun as it was, I think it's really designed for the eight to ten, especially with stress and traumas. I think you're kind of just supposed to ride your character until the <laughs> until you retire or the wheels fall off. But kind of only designed for eight to ten. Like, yeah, like nearly impossible to play as a one shot in terms of like, I would be motivated to learn the setting enough to get through a one shot, but not want to do a second one. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Cause you have yeah. to make up so much of it yourself. Like, so I yeah. think if you were to do a second one or, or scum and villainy or something, I think kind of combined approaches where, um, you, you have to have a little bit of something overarching, but, uh, it doesn't have to be as grandiose as we ended up with like bringing back the sun and killing demons and saving the planet. I think there's like a nice sort of building up to a retirement score arc. You could have and mm-hmm. still engage with all the, the metagame stuff of, of improving your crew. Cause it got towards the last 10 sessions where I don't think we've been marked crew XP just cause it didn't know. Nope. <laughs> it didn't matter. Anymore. Yeah. We, like just, we weren't using, it. we had the engine. It was kind of done. It was, so, it was very much, you know what it reminded me out. of? Not that we need to be calling back endlessly to end jokes and stuff, but it reminded me a lot of the iron heroes campaign mm-hmm. oh, where yeah. by the end of it, we just yeah. kind of forgot about the overall <laughs> crew yeah. leveling up part of things that we took from rain. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. yeah uh, that's interesting when you're talking about um like the eight to ten session thing because one criticism i've read from other people at blades in the dark is that um and i guess this sort of complements that is that the um, characters become too powerful um or too competent to fail uh on a consistent basis by the end in in, in blades in the dark once they get enough advancements um that mm-hmm. unless I, they will mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i feel like that doesn't actually make sense well, because shouldn't the, I mean, this, this is very philosophical, but yeah. shouldn't characters be challenging bigger groups where they have to succeed better, essentially to get required effect that should push them like trauma is a retirement mechanic, right? Like, it's, it's, it's intrinsically a troop style game. If the long term is that your characters are getting too powerful, 
you're you're undercommitting as the GM and you're not pushing characters out because the onboarding is simple. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is the, these are, I mean, you can certainly make that criticism, but I think, um, characters have a lot, once they level up, they not only have more dice that they're rolling, they have more ways. They also have more, um, get out of jail free cards. Like, um, like the, oh, I can use my special armor to ignore the consequences of failing this type of role. Um, uh, there's several abilities like that. Um, and you just have more tools available to you, uh, to ignore certain things and roll better and gain better effect. Um, that, that's sort of the criticism. And then I like, I was trying to ratchet up things quite a bit and especially in the last few sessions and, um, uh, you all still persevered despite that. Uh, I, I mean, I was giving you a lot of desperate roles, but, um, I mean, yeah. that said, like show of hands in this discord chat. How many of us were were on our third drama, ratcheting up to our fourth? I was on my third, but I was also on my third for like the last half of the campaign. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I was just, only to my. I just I learned only... to manage it better mm-hmm. by being generally recalcitrant and not doing anything until it came to hurting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I wasn't a very good team player. I don't think I've ever min maxed as hard as I did with Flake. With, which was nice. And uh, I don't, I've never let my Grognard fly that hard. But I, I think some uh, of those criticisms in terms of stuff being overpowered, which I've also seen, mm-hmm. were also leveled at players who abuse the setup to make everything desperate. So they're just always stacking steel XP and then Me. dump their uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> uh, then dump their regular XP into purchasing abilities and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, re- once you can get veteran, put reflexes on a cutter, it's over. Like the way reflexes is worded is just from uh, the lurk. Mm-hmm. Is just if it comes down to who goes first, you go first. Like done. Yeah, that came up quite a bit. <laughs> Every fight is over. It's great. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah. That that that's certainly fair. Um, but yeah, that, I'm not criticizing the game. That's just me. But also. Not to be Slavoy for a minute, but I'm going to be. <laughs> you see, uh, the materialist reality of uh, the, how you say, podcast. Uh, uh, so you talked about onboarding being easy, Bill. Um, onboarding is easy in the game mechanics. But narrative onboarding, as in there was a character I, li- I liked, and now there's a character I don't have any reason to give a shit about, um, is a lot harder to ask. So. Yeah. Again, the the medium is the message. Uh, the you know the materialist reality makes the idealist conception. You know all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I guess the only thing I would rejoin to that, and that's not a great one. Like I'm not going to die on this hill, but like if you're running the crew a, as a crew, right? Like if we had had more more than two named NPCs in the crew throughout the the extended campaign, it would have been easier to promote one. Not that this ever came up, right? This is Mm -hmm. a very abstract conversation at this point. I think it's fine. Yeah, that's that. I would have liked to have seen an Aaron Stradler or or Waldor. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's true. You would have done an excellent job. So, uh, although in one thing... You old uh, sea dog, you. 
In Blazing Dark, <laughs> there actually is an out uh, to to onboard new characters and still care about them in that you could say, well, Flake's dead, but now Flake's a ghost. And now here's a playbook as Flake is a ghost um, <laughs> or as a hull or as a vampire. Uh, they actually do have the the rules to have a character come back from the dead in those three ways. So, um, but we'll talk more about ghosts, I guess, in a little bit. Aaron, um, yeah. yeah, your thoughts on the early uh, campaign? Um, it pretty much reflects everybody else's that I, I did appreciate the free form where it was just living your life from scheme to scheme and trying to figure out how we were getting up at us, getting up in the world. Um, I would say the only thing I probably struggled with a little bit just because of my more misunderstanding and of the system and later on is the actual for a for the, uh, for salvage and the characters where you're trying to engineer stuff. I I know they had the ritual side of it, which seemed a little bit easier, but the design aspects of what you'd have to do from each part of the campaign seemed pretty tacked on, honestly. So, and I, uh, it's like, I felt like there was one where I would have an idea to do something, but depending on the stress that we were taking almost on in the game, it felt like that would just be really difficult to pull off without really pushing yourself into the higher trauma camp uh, parts early on. Well, I mean, so, I think part of that is design. Like the game is like running like a clock. Your character is, to, is going to burn out. It is not done at a sustainable rate. The, the question true. is how, what, where how fast? You be, well, where will you be when you, when you burn out? Um, yeah. So like so, that is, I, that is very much how the game is de- intended to be played. So yeah. Uh, and I and so, I don't get me wrong too. I like the clock system of this a lot. So to the point where um, I actually uh, added that to one of my Patreon games just recently because uh, for a scene because I really really enjoyed the stress that it puts on here. Um, but just for like some of the long term development that we did, and I think this is more just an effect that we ran such a long campaign is that it was hard to kind of get more of a grasp on that. So at least for me, okay, that's fair. Hot take. The design system in Blades has crunch built in. <laughs> yeah, <it does. laughs> yeah. Um, I will say this: Blades is definitely um, inspired me as a game designer. In that, I the next RPG I want to do, I wanted to be at least in the same league in terms of presentation and design, like in terms of the actual, like not just the graphic design, but like the how information is presented and how what kind of information is presented. Because like the Blades, like I, I had the hardcover book uh, inside of the PDF uh, and I would look things up in that because it was so easy to. And just the way, um, yeah, it, 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 everything in there was useful information. There wasn't like uh, unnecessary bloat or padding. Like I, I felt Blades is sort of on another level in terms of its design, uh, just like graphic design and just like, um, information design, just how it, how it laid out things, how it, how it structured chapters and, um, that sort of thing. So, um, graphic design, you mean Kickstarter bait? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm referencing the grognardiest tweet yep. ever that Mork Bark totally owned a guy with. Yep. Good job, Mark Ford. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if you uh yeah, it's just bad. It's just cheap to have good graphic design in a game. Because that'll make no people want to buy than it. Eight sized font. Yep. Yeah. You, you, how how dare you make people want to buy your game by looking at it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, pictures steal the production value of rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so like 
you know, our first, we had, of course, our introductory game, then the medicine show, then the goat, uh, then our dinner party. Then the fifth one was the uh, smuggling, the curious hall. Uh, and then the sixth. So around, I think around the sixth or seventh game, um, we start talking about uh, out of game. Uh, well, we're just doing the same thing every week. We're just doing a score every week. And I'm like, okay, okay we kind of need a plot. Uh, it's like, all right. Um, so once one, this is what, you know, uh, everyone was talking about, uh, during the game. So I, I sort of looked through the book and, um, one of the, and like one of the things that's so useful is they have a list of factions in blaze of the dark and it's each faction is just like half a page and they, their goals are left, you know, very, fairly ambiguous, uh, uh, about what they, they're very open. Uh, so I looked at Lord Skurlock the vampire who's secretly serving a demon Lord and uh, 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 the demon Lord Satara or the demon Satara wants to release a nest of demons. I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. Um, and then another faction that you guys have is uh, the Leviathan hunters who you were allied with, or you were friendly with and they're desperate because they're running out of Leviathans to hunt. And Leviathans are type, a type of demon. So I'm like, Oh, well that's an interesting, um, conflict there that the uh leviathan hunters need demons and satara wants to release a bunch of demons so what if they were both vying over this nest of demons um and that that's sort of where i got the idea for the plot it was uh it's in the book um or at least the the sort of seeds of it and um that that's where i started laying down the foundation for that um so yeah i guess we should talk about the main plot um it did go on for we started it uh, really session nine, which was the smuggling, the, the, uh, woman and the sacred one, uh, past, uh, Satara, uh, the demon, um, you know, you had to do the, the, get through the, the, the border without triggering the ritual. Um, and, um, yeah. So what did you guys uh, think of the plot? Cause I did try to ask for your input, but I didn't want it in an explicit way. Uh, I just kind of want like themes and things like that. So, um, yeah, do you think I hit the mark? Did you like the plot? Didn't like the plot? Well, you know, that kind of thing. So, I'll go. Um, or go ahead. Uh, okay. Yeah, personally, I still like that. Um, I will always say that I'm a, a very big sucker for the advanced Atlanticist futurist uh, world that preceded the Dark Dank one. <laughs> And trying to bring that back. So, yeah, I always absolutely like that, too. Uh, but I, I also like the fact that we were only given small hints and really only and having just kind of intuit a lot of that beforehand mm-hmm. uh, before we were given a large answer, a large amount of the answers in the and uh, with the soul engine. So I, I, I was absolutely enjoyed it. OK. Bill. Yeah, like from an objective perspective, like I, I liked it as as a sort of, you know, Maybe not world. Well, yeah, actually, I guess in the end, like world altering scale, the, the only thing that bugged me was like sort of the shift. And I think you handled it like as, as pretty well, um, sort of with what Aaron was saying, that we got like eased into it. But to, to try to put numbers on it, I feel like we were dealing with tier one, tier two threats. And then it's like, oh, all of a sudden tier five things want your attention. Mm-hmm. Deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, um, that is one criticism I have of the blade system is the whole tier and to another degree, the effect 
system is they, they just, you know, your position and effect. And then of course, tiers were sort of described, but they're not like, it's still left fairly ambiguous in terms of, um, yeah, uh, the impact tiers and effect have, I don't know. It, it's something that I, I think I'm beginning to get a better handle on, but now I've run like now, between blades and scum and villainy, like 30 sessions of the system. And I'm still not a hundred percent comfortable with it. So I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm not, I missed the part in the rules where it described that, but it, it, it feels very underwritten unlike a lot of the other systems in the game um, in terms of like what, what works and what doesn't and how you're supposed to use it. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I get that too. You did jump from fighting other gangs to fighting the movers and shakers of the city. Um, yeah. I, I'd like, I'm not saying that that is in any way a bad story. I, I for, like on its face, I enjoyed it. Um, it just wasn't quite what I was expecting. All right. I mean, that's fair. Um, Burke, any, any thoughts on the main plot? Um, no, I also liked it. I think, you could have even gotten away with just doing soul engine stuff and the the consequences of having something that turns ghosts and entities into whatever you want with even without all the demons saving the planet type stuff so i think if you were to like not that you're going to but if this is being rewritten mm-hmm. as like write up your campaign ross we're going to publish it um mm-hmm. <laughs> just focus on that and just start to introduce hints of it earlier like mm-hmm. have the early heist be tangentially related to that then building up to like what it really is and then the consequences of using it okay i mean yeah um yeah early capitalism late feudalism uh straight to post-scarcity ghost economy is uh, <laughs> pretty yeah. jarring leap forward for a setting by itself yeah um, well, I mean, the Soul Engine was only ever supposed to be a plot device, although I did wind up liking it. it you, you having access, yeah. you only had access to it like the last four sessions. But. Yeah, and that was almost entirely too much because yeah. we could build anything we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as Flake kept feeding people to it, which he was totally fine doing. <laughs> um, I liked the plot in that um, I, I was kind of always approaching it from a humorous perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you asked us questions, my question for Flake was, can you build a house using only a hammer? Because mm-hmm. um, he uh, is just a thug, but he's also like a genetically gifted thug. Like, um, And so he's basically the question of, can you be a thug so hard you become the boss? Um, like if Baz had come back in the campaign... Flake would have been like, oh, thank God. I did the best I could while you were gone, but I didn't know where you were. Like, he would have thought he was still employed by Baz, <laughs> by Salty. Like, yeah. so I kind of liked the humor of um, he started off as like, hey, help me kill these guys so I can take control of a dock racket. And then his answer to that was to drive a boat full of dead cops through their house. And uh, that eventually led to him like, getting employed and eventually slaying vampires and gods (laughs) (laughs) just by happenstance and like ridiculous Frank Miller thuggery. So Mm. it worked for me because I was trying to write somewhat of an absurdist tale and 
Flake Flake did it. He never had an arc. He didn't change. <laughs> he just was himself until no one else could stop him. Yeah. Yeah. So good for him. Yeah. It's an American <laughs> success story. Uh, the American success story. Have no arc. Learn nothing. Yeah. Uh, Except be a powerful wizard. Exactly. That's what that, that was his arc, going from not being a wizard to being a wizard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So it's basically <laughs> Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, boy who lived. Yeah, um, I will With more skin conditions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say, um, like, yeah, the the I did have the the idea for the Darkest Night, um, and like that being the resolution of the plot, uh, pretty early on. Um, certainly by the time you guys found the Forgotten Prisoner, I kind of envisioned that as a possible ending, um, or the good ending, uh, unless you guys decided to go like <laughs> do some, you know, just be, I don't know, um, go, go, unless you're like, oh, turn the city into a giant, you know, demon meat factory. Sounds great, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm gonna be cheeky here for just a second and say we should all congratulate Aaron for hearing the phrase "darkest night" multiple times mm-hmm. uh, during the final session and not talking about Green Lantern. Aaron, <laughs> congratulations, you did so I, well. I didn't see a point in it, and no one would laugh. So yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Um, but I think uh, to be honest, and I know that that the ending might be a little too yeah, it's sort of. A little against the idea of Blades of Dark being sort of this gritty crime drama set in a very dismal city. But, like, I mean, I'm going to be honest, part of that was personal. I just wanted to have a fucking happy ending for an RPG campaign. Uh, That's fine. Yeah. No, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that there's just a dude wandering around the city now who's killed three gods. And if he falls asleep in your bed, you have to let him lay there. Like, (laughs) yeah. However long he wants to. Like, you just walk away. Yep. Um, yeah. And as a, for the ramifications of the world, I actually really like that it wasn't just a, you know, we've, uh, we converted all these demons into spirits again and everything's immediately right. It's that, you know, this isn't, this is a spiritual and ecological situation since ghosts are actually part of this world and it's going to take time mm-hmm. yeah. for it to do that. This is not within your generation or even in a hundred generations honestly let's be about it yeah yeah like really changes the yeah the whole idea of the dark side is that it is a long scale thing it is like you could run games in a post darkest night uh uh blaze in the dark campaign it would basically be the same at least for like a hundred years like it would it would the, the same kind of like if i run blaze in the dark it'll be post darkest night but people will be it'll it'll be exactly as it is in the book people are just yeah i guess it's a little brighter it's like a tenth of a percent lighter than it was a year ago <laughs> so um yeah it'll it'll uh it's fine um we still got to go murder these dudes for money so um yeah um burke any any thoughts on the campaign uh in that regard hmm no, honestly, <laughs> it's a very Audra answer. Yeah, um. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we should talk actually about yeah the characters. Uh, I do <laughs> legit like the difference in personalities everyone brought. Um, I mean, Audra uh, was being the, the 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 strong silent type was actually worked really well because the the when Audra did act or did have a role playing scene it was that much more interesting uh, and. Just uh, uh, me yeah. protecting the campaign from my inability to engage with anything seriously, role playing wise. <laughs> so, 
I mean, I, my one of my few one of my regrets is that I did not work your family into more of the campaign. So. I was gonna say that. Yeah. That like I wrote up I wrote up a Google Doc and it, well, we, we didn't really touch on it except for one time. Yeah, one we, or, that, that one which and that and that one adventure was really good. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it's was that the ghost stagecoach thing? Um, that was getting my brother's shipping company to smuggle out the criminal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh. as okay. as part of the deal mm-hmm. for inf- was it? I think it was for information. Got it. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I really I really did like that, and um, I but I love how Audra just wanted to do drugs and fuck with the weather, mm-hmm. and was just <laughs> it was like Daria if she was a fucking wizard. It was great. <laughs> She was just over it all the time. It was so yeah. good. It's it's weird. Like I actually think, in terms of character interaction stuff, I like all of the weird side stuff throughout Duskfall. In a way, um, just I guess hypocritical because I was also you know talked to you early on about overarching plot between games. Um, but I loved all of the just like Rodolfo the the dumb painter you can lie to about ghosts and <laughs> come to his parties um or you know all the stuff with the family and mm-hmm. yeah miss amelia um, <laughs> so yeah all of that stuff in a i don't know it's it's a tough balance there's just a lot of stuff. it does it does do an excellent job um making your characters seem part of a narrative and community web like before you showed up like mm-hmm. it does a great job making your character feel lived in by the time you start as level one. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I did try and work and a lot of, I did like, we didn't have like every single plot thread wrapped up obviously, but I did like you guys remembering to bring Raffalo in at the very end for like <laughs> get his entourage to help you assault the vampire manor. Man, uh, there's going to be a kick-ass painting of like the, the charge across Skurlock's bridge. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, that, that is, I, I do um, picture it as some, like some topless Duxvalian woman waving exact, a flag. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The French Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> That's just going to be a giant wait. fresco somewhere. Mm-hmm. Remember, remember, there was some into doing the whole thing on the basis that the women would be clothed and the men would be unclothed and it'd be revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fine. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, it's Rodolfo. So everyone is naked and they're all ghosts, but there's still <laughs> flags. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, Salvage was uh, Aaron's always a delight to 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 have as a player uh, in a game, and Salvage was certainly no exception to that. Uh, fucking blowguns, man! They're they're wild. <laughs> uh, they honestly, yeah. I'll, I'll make a confession about this: that one, I when I was looking at the character sheet, I completely glazed over the fact that there was a pistol in my equipment list. <laughs> Thank and- God you did. <laughs> just, but also afterwards, I'm like, everyone oh, okay. gets a blow dart to the nuts. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I, I honestly thought it would be way more interesting, and that was also to you know use that as a as an easier way to get around, maybe more stealthily or to take mm-hmm. care of something. But then I looked at it saying, oh, developing all these compounds takes way more time, and this is what I have. Well, just eye blind poison and, and trans powder. Let's go for it. It's, yeah. it's just going to be a rave every time salvage shows up. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was, it was definitely the right choice to make as a player. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but I mean, we can't overlook Vimes too because Vimes. Um, I feel there, yeah, no, there were there were a lot of really good scenes with you, like other blue coats, and uh, you dealing with that. Uh, and yeah, so lying about so, it, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, I, I figured like since Caleb wasn't doing it, somebody needed to take on the role of the liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like Vimes is sort of symptomatic. Like I, I thought back. Like I tried the last two RPPR campaigns I can remember playing in the the short run Unknown Armies, mm-hmm. and then um, Gate Nine. <laughs> I tried really hard to swerve out of my typecast, which I have come to realize is always uh, Bill's character is done with this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. And and I did not succeed at staying away from that. Like like from day one, I was just done with all of it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it. I mean, yeah, no, it, it, it's fine. It's it's you gotta eat. It's it's uh, you know every every character you play is is just a version of yourself. I mean that you know an actor's. Uh, uh, it's Ooh. yeah, very deep. Don't love that look. <laughs> but yeah, um, I yeah, uh, you know what? Some of my favorite sessions, though, actually, like one of my favorite sessions as a GM was. Um, the session when you broke into the vault of secrets, uh, because that was the session where Caleb wasn't there. And so, uh, <laughs> thanks. <for us. laughs> no, because it was a good opportunity. Cause you guys like, Oh God, we don't have flake. What do we do? Uh, and seeing that contrast of these players who normally you'd be interacting with flake, were having to deal with each other. And, uh, it's still working across. I mean, flake had so many great moments though, but like, uh, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. 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 He was a, he was a blunt instrument. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it still wound up being a very blunt plan of you know just fucking uh, uh, you know tactical breaching and uh, well well it sneak in and then breach out just you know uh, after they got the thing you know they uh, had to blow up walls to escape. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I I liked it when you know there were certain sort of character rhythms um, of uh, uh, you know flake and salvage arguing about whether to murder people or you know how <laughs> that kind of thing and or, my favorite part was when flake could teach uh teach salvage acting mm-hmm. yeah because i wrote in his backstory that they let him plan the bordello acts because he was just the bouncer and had nothing else to do um <laughs> so i got it in my head that he really liked directing mm-hmm. and imagined himself as a director so i love the idea of this like essentially uh, insane orangutan Russian anarcho nihilist uh, giving directing uh, acting decisions to salvage while Vimes is there just like I don't know figure it out like I gotta go do something <laughs> else <laughs> yeah. it's not that hard just lie to them and yeah, Flake's I, like no I will walk you through motivations of care <laughs> yeah. I just felt like I was on the most insane version of Swan Lake and <laughs> the, the Russian taskmaster yeah. that's right <laughs> Um, another favorite was also, I think the, one of the later dinner parties, um, where you had to, uh, find out where the vault of secrets was. And, uh, so you were going to deal with the hive and, um, I think it was like Audra had to go in uh, and who else Mm -hmm. was it? Was it salvage? Uh, or is it Vimes? Um, but, Um. (laughs) but yeah, you like, it was Audra having to do social stuff. And I remember that cause like. The, the the guy who's running the guy you needed the information from the vault of secrets guy uh took a oh, shine yeah, to yeah, you yeah. yeah uh so I I, yeah yeah 
yeah, yeah, the fish out of water thing of just like, uh, oh, yeah, that's always fun. I think you, of course, then eventually summon some lightning to to cause a distraction so you could excuse yourself. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, <laughs> that was. Isn't that um, when you burn the I, house down? I did burn down a dinner party. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I think it was that one. That's when also the last of the foghounds escaped and uh, <laughs> you know swore revenge. Um, classic, yeah, yeah, classic stuff. Uh, yeah, are there are there any other memorable episodes uh, that you you uh, uh, remember uh, that stick out to you? Uh, retrieving the soul engine from the ghost lands or, or what have you. Uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, making the putting the fake one out in there, the time warp episode. Yes. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah, I, I largely improvised that. Uh, I, I knew it was going to be weird. Very good job. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just figured you're making a, a super weird thing to look super weird. So what if it you accidentally invented time travel? Um, yeah, that was that was fun. Um. Caleb, were there any standout moments for you as Flake? Uh, when I had to try and justify the fact that I took Ghost Fighter and a point of a tune because Burke was moving and we couldn't do ghost shit anymore. <laughs> um, and so I just, so Flake just disgu- decided he was a powerful wizard and believed it hard enough that it worked. <laughs> um, and then he like puppeted a corpse around in front of some nomadic cavalrymen and started a civil war. Oh <laughs> right, here for that. Yeah, <laughs> with like a with like a bad marionette dance and oh, yeah, that was terrible stage acting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just love that he like believed he was a wizard so hard he put on like a little show and it's it started like an insurgency campaign that. <laughs> Made the state fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good times. Yeah. Uh, uh, Aaron, are there any other standout moments for you? Uh, so uh, if immediately kind of thinking back to Flake, which was the uh, or for salvage, uh, like anything, any any moment in the campaign, really. Yeah. Uh, well, like Flake and salvage immediately. I have to think about the. Uh, directing me through for becoming a like a, 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 a acting pimp <laughs> during <laughs> oh yeah that, oh my god which, which my mind keeps going back like hey i just basically did the whole hank hill thing mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and that is an exact one um honestly at least for uh salvage i have to say the two things one uh the blow dart wedding is probably <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm happy in the raptors yeah. double six and fools <laughs> just because it shouldn't have worked and it did um but also proud moment too it just uh, i say this with complete and utter pride in my voice uh linking to the monkey's paw that was the soul engine and not using it in any way other than we what we needed to yeah that was that was very good of you aaron you 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 restrained yourself uh yeah yeah uh, because if i had if i uh, honestly had the thought at one moment when you talked about just the holes reinserting holes into ghost it's like well here's your steampunk transformers race world <laughs> deal with it hey waldorf come over here for a second uh <laughs> you have a new purpose in life yeah you, you, let me let me upgrade you uh fears for a second um yeah uh yeah <laughs> Burke, were there any other moments in particular that uh stand? Uh, yeah god i already kind of said it but anything with just hanging out with all the opulent artists 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, a lot of those. Uh, I, I liked how flake so desperately wanted to impress Audra because just cause she was withholding and he was <laughs> fucked up weird psychologically that way. <laughs> just like the people who want the least to do with him, uh, like <laughs> him and even salty. He's just like so desperate to impress. <laughs> To the point, he's just like, yeah, I'll try cocaine with you. I've never done it before. I only weigh 350 pounds and move like a linebacker. What could go wrong? <laughs> Why is that wall gone? But yeah. Uh, it all worked out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, one thing we also, we we did get to know the setting of uh, Blades in the Dark pretty well. So, um, and it, it is... You know, people can like the closest thing people compare it to is dishonor, but it is it and it's a bit and it is kind of like that, but not exactly. It's also a bit like Thief the Dark Project. And it's, it's a very sort of particular kind of subgenre of dark fantasy, kind of steampunky, but not. Um, but yeah, um, I know Caleb, you mentioned that there there's some implications of the setting that are kind of like, hmm. Uh certainly if you're running your own Blaze in the Dark campaign, you should you should take that into mind. Uh, before you run it, um, and it certainly came up a lot in our our last couple episodes um, about the ghosts. Oh yeah, um, if the answer can be ghosts, it is going to be ghosts. Like yeah, um, I think that really derives from like the I don't want to call it a problem, uh, the phenomenon, the the psychic maelstrom phenomenon of because uh, all these things share DNA with Apocalypse World, of course. And um, the the psyker class or whatever it's called in Apocalypse World and the touching of the psychic maelstrom. The psychic maelstrom is mentioned like 800 times in that fucking book and is defined zero of them. Um, so it's just anything and everything. And like this setting is so chock full of ghosts that they have to have a wall to separate the area with just a shit ton of ghosts from the area with all of the ghosts. Um, and so it, the answer is always ghost, man. Um, so I, I feel like, yeah, that, that might be a phenomenon that happens when you give sort of a setting aspect that is so diffuse and loosely defined that, uh, it can be the cause of an answer to every problem. <laughs> uh, look, look. How great is it that they managed to harness a renewable resource so early in their tech curve? <laughs> yeah, True. this is a really w- weird, yeah. weird run through of Civ speedrun strat. Well, uh, you, you yeah. know those modders. They, uh, they yeah. <laughs> if you jack your religion up over ten thousand, it freaks out and starts putting it into your tech tree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That certainly did come up. Like, well, it's ghost. It's obviously get, like yeah, because. <laughs> It's yeah. It, it, as a GM, it kind of like well, I guess everything does. It always comes back down to ghosts in this fucking game, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. of course, I did exacerbate it with the soul engine because I was like, eh. uh, but yeah, um, it, which was alarming just because it turned things into stuff that wasn't ghosts. Yep, it does. Yeah. Do <laughs> the most the most scarce thing in a. Uh, in a Duskvalian economy is it, uh, tangible objects. <laughs> <laughs> they have an absolute surplus of spectral objects. Like, yeah, rock bottom ghost prices. <laughs> it's a very flooded market. Yep. But like I, food, we ain't got none of that. 
I'd buy that for a ghost. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised they don't use them as the currency, like seashells or something. I mean, wait, yeah. wait, wait. We missed a perfect opportunity to... to... <laughs> oh, oh, we should have turned the solo engine into a ghost coin engine. Yeah. Uh. Yes, the ultimate <laughs> crypto currency. Oh, no. Crypt. Crypt currency. Crypt yeah. currency. There we go. Yeah. Uh, we run your relatives through the blockchain. Oh, <laughs> they come out as hard currency you can't spend. <laughs> I mean, didn't they collapse the gold standard or whatever the fuck the <laughs> currency economy is? So, miners, so ghost coin miners are the people who set up outside the ghost wall and just capture wild ghosts and turn them into coins. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, we just yeah, had like, a big pose, like Luigi's Mansion, and Hoover them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what otherwise common object do they have to have to do that? That is completely jacking up the market for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that sounds like a, a new campaign idea. Um, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Damn. Ghost coin mining, uh, <laughs> fighting the power of the state. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, I was I was thinking about trying to run blades for some people I work with before mm-hmm. before this campaign started, and I think if I come back around to that, I just got the campaign seed. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh- <laughs> at least something that will definitely be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Berg, were there any other campaign elements or setting elements that uh, stand out to you as some things that could be I don't know really interesting to you or kind of like like you would change or I don't know. No, because I think the most interesting one we've already covered, which is ghost, which mm-hmm. I engaged with playing a, a whisper. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess as smugglers, it would have been cool to do more smuggling. Yeah. Really like a world building stuff. And that's our fault anyway. Yeah. For mm-hmm. just uh, getting into murdering and stealing. And yeah. Being general I mean, criminals. I didn't give you, I, if I had reframed the plot, instead of like oh, a secret war between two demons over other demons uh mm. probably that would have helped um maybe but- i also think i i don't know if the game actually supports it mm-hmm. but it would be interesting to end up outside of duskfall and one of the other continents yeah there's this kind of whole world outside of the city there is and they do they, there's brief descriptions of it but i just didn't want to do all, like the thing is Duskwald is so written up in useful ways. Like, mm-hmm. This again, sure. part of the information, like there's a one page sheet uh, um, with names and like of character, just common names and names of public houses. And uh, I just generic NPCs. Well, not generic, but like named NPCs and what they do. And like Raffaello is on that list. He's just a painter interested in the occult. And that's all I, that's all that's written about him. And like, that's, I, I took that and ran with it. Um, and I would have had to come up with a bunch of that stuff, uh, and make it different. So it's not just Duskwall, but it's a different, it says that there's a different name on the sign. You know what I mean? Like I would have had to do, yeah, because there's not, I I mean, I mean, I actually, to be fair, I did not look to see if there was that kind of support. Maybe I think in the Kickstarter edition, there are a couple of other cities, um, detailed, but that is obviously super hard to get a hold of now in legal ways and you know oh, actually support indie authors yeah oh so it's not available now as a separate thing that you can buy it was only exclusive for kickstarter backers that's i think it might have been but i haven't dug into it completely okay. well that that's an odd choice uh and certainly annoying um yeah uh also uh, just as sort of an aside 
um, a lot of RPPR fans, a lot of people mess with, oh, have you looked at, look at this new game? Yeah, have you, when do you guys, you guys should check this out? It's like, well, this is a very new game. But, um, you know, I got Blaze in the Dark in 2017 and, you mm-hmm. know, we ran it in 2020. So there's a bit of a turnaround time uh, for games. That, and that was, Blaze in the Dark has been a game I've wanted to play for a while. Like ever since it came out, it's like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, so even for gate like Lancer, I got that last year and I don't know when I'm going to run that heart, you know, the below the spire. Um, I'm looking at it right now. My copy, it is a very pretty book and I don't know when I'm going to play it because yeah, uh, it takes a while, um, for us to get to a campaign, especially a game that we're going to do a whole campaign of. So, uh, I appreciate everyone mentioning new games to me, but like, there's a backlog and it's like a multiple year turnaround at this point. So, oops. But, um, yeah, if I, if, if I were to do blades in dark again, I wouldn't probably look for that kind of support or run a different version of it. Um, I know there's like support for different crew types as well. Like they added some new stuff, uh, another character type. So I would definitely like, I guess, add a lot more material to make it not just, the dusk wall that we played in. Like I would, I would do, you know, basically like, you know, the second time you play through a game, you add a bunch of mods to, to make it a little, you know, add a little spice to it. Um, so, uh, yeah, something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, if we were going to play a forged in the dark game again, we should do the weird West one. Ooh. Um, there's two others. There's a mecha one. And then there's a magical girl one, uh, that both sound interesting as well. Both good options. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and then there's the Metroidvania one that's coming. Oh, hmm. that's uh. Uh, what's that one called? Do you know? Uh, I forget. Let me check my Kickstarters. Okay, um, but why, why are you doing that? Um, Aaron, were there any elements of the setting that stood out to you? Um, in particular, mainly the big thing was uh, the uh, the whole Hull culture. I guess if it makes sense, just how they were it it was being used around uh that's like the entirety of Dustfall in particular. Oh I trying to remember the uh it was called I don't I keep wanting to say Whitechapel, but I know that's not right. So um White Crown. White Crown, thank the you. Rich person so, district, yeah. yeah, the rich person's area of that too, which was equally parts, you know, interesting but also horrifying <laughs> because of how just easily this was used and saying like, well, you know, let's murder the let's like have the souls of the damned poor uh, service into eternity so that it, it i would like to see something more of that and maybe you know a future uh future one shot or a campaign could be like the internal hull revolt mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think that could be an interesting way to uh, uh, an interesting plot to, to carry on with i mean thinking back to it i could have done like uh, if i'd done a campaign plot that was focused on smuggling like you guys are hired by a, a insurrection to uh, uh, smuggle in arms. And then, of course, a, a blue coat, undercover blue coat is like, well, why don't you spy on them for us and we'll pay you? Uh, or if not, we'll, uh, of course, you know, kill you. Um, and, you know, working both sides or something like that. That could have been interesting making hulls, you know, like like <laughs> hulls that have are secretly free um, and uh, just pretending to be, um, you know, programmed until it's time to rise up. So yeah, help <laughs> Skynet o- overthrow the humans. Uh, so yeah. two things. That Kickstarter is uh, Brinkwood, the Blood of Tyrants. And yeah, it's like aesthetically Metroidvania, but I think in concept, it's going to come out a whole lot more Darkest Dungeon. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, building a rebellion that will overthrow the blood-soaked vampires that oppress and dominate your world. Yes, please. Second, I was looking around to see if I could find in a hurry uh, confirmation that the, the extra blade setting material was Kickstarter only. And guys, we screwed up. I mean, so John Harper released a playbook for Railjacks. Um, so basically, be a hobo on the ghost trains. Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, we that could that would be a good for a shorter campaign. So if I do that again, I come up with a plot that could be resolved in eight to ten sessions, introduce it from the beginning, and go from there. <laughs> I think that was probably yeah something like that. Like you're all heading home, or maybe it could be basically like you need to raise enough money to save the orphanage, uh, the orphanarium, or the all all the kids will be turned into hulls. Uh, go go on the rails, and you know try and find this treasure um yeah or something like that uh there's there's or you you're you're all on the run from assassins for because you saw something you weren't supposed to uh, ghost emperor of the north ghost emperor of the north that's it <laughs> can oh god now i want to do that yeah fucking uh ernest borgnine as a vampire conductor uh, the spirit train yeah oh. yes oh man man oh, damn Oh well, what could be? What could have been? Um, next time. Um, yeah. Any any uh, final thoughts on this campaign? Um, any lessons learned or? Um, I I enjoyed it deeply, and like there were times that like <laughs> this got me through twenty twenty in certain respects. Oh, well, yeah. It was certainly something to look forward to each week. Uh, uh yeah when when the game was really firing on all cylinders uh when you guys were really in the midst of things uh or just listening to you to you all just do some really good role play it was like uh it's really it was really nice um yeah um caleb um uh, any any final thoughts yeah, on yeah i enjoyed it a lot i'm glad i finally got to play it yeah uh, talk about turnaround time i've been hearing about bloody for years and then i never get a chance to play it no. so yeah yeah, maybe I'll run something like Band of Blades or uh, Brinkwood one day. So. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I think Band of Blades is the next uh, yeah, I, Forged in the Dark style game I want to try. Yeah, yeah, the sort of desperate, uh, berserk Band of the Hawk kind of mm-hmm. company role-playing is pretty interesting to me. So. I'll what, see, a black company? I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can get the rights to the Guts theme. Uh, we can just lose <laughs> the <time>. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i i think the next campaign that i am going to run is going to be delta green impossible landscapes because yes i am i am that guy i it's carcosa my god this is this 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 book was made for me as i throw myself uh into a hole on a mountain have Um, you read it yet it is i have read parts of it i haven't read it it is gonna be a feat to run man yeah that that book is like fucking yarn intentionally. It's just tangled up inside of itself. I'm yeah, trying to keep myself intentionally wild. ignorant of this because I, I know Ross is going to run it, but holy God, <laughs> it's hard. Um, it seems like, it seems like running like um, masks, like only if like, instead of that, like 5,000 page, like what if you went here? What if you went here? It just burrows into itself. Like <laughs> with, <laughs> it's just self-referential across different points across. It's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite 
experience of playing a role-playing game at, of all time is actually playing that playtest of Impossible Landscapes with you at Gen Con, run by Dennis Detwiller, uh, that yeah. one time, and actually being able to figure out what the fuck was going on and being able to, like... I figured out what to do and we did the thing and we, we succeeded in getting out of that horrible place we were in. Um, I was like, Oh my God, I get it. I get it. And uh, yeah. Uh, that, Especially cause it was 3 a.m. Yeah. And none of us had slept in two days, but I got it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm on the same wavelength. Um, so I'm excited to run it. Uh, I have no idea when, cause I'm waiting for the full thing to get out before really diving into it. Like I've read parts of the previews that have been posted on his Patreon, but I want to, I don't want to like fully read it until like it, it's it, the final PDF is out or at least the one that'll go to press. Um, and certainly that'll take me time to read. And then with considering how long this campaign is going to be posted for, I have some time. I don't need to get another campaign ready to go right away. So, um, yeah, I will. I made a handout for that book. So. Ooh, neat. So. D- Demon web one Oh one. Okay. Well, unfortunately I don't think I can, I don't know. Can, can Caleb, can you play in a game that you helped write then? I mean, yeah, <laughs> that there's no hope. It doesn't matter if you know what's going on. It's just, <laughs> You're still gonna die. Like, yeah. Okay. It's something green. You can't metagame it. Yeah. Okay. Uh you're 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 just screwed. The second <laughs> the second the game starts, it's over, yeah. man. Uh your your character is gonna say bye-bye. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. Uh so that's something to look forward to at some point in RPPR. Um but yeah, uh uh thank you all for listening. Thank you all for so much for joining this Blades in the Dark campaign um if you have questions comments about it uh you know please post in the comments or let us know on social media or of course on the rppr patreon discord uh where we can all talk about that um and i don't know what else to plug because again this is not gonna be posted for like eight months so (laughs) or something have you tried cat food surprisingly (laughs) nourishing in the wasteland get over it cat food (laughs) oh all right um but uh, before we go, we do have, of course, um, Caleb is at Heaven on G Cal on Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Burke is. I also probably have like a bunch of Patreons by now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and of course. Subscribe to all of them, whatever <laughs> they are called. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure, of course, we'll be doing some game designer workshop episodes on our PPR to talk about uh, your upcoming projects and Patreon work and all that fun stuff. So, um and uh, Burke is, of course, my co-host on Night Clerk Radio at Night Clerk Radio on Twitter and nightclerkradio.com. And uh, I'd say, what what is your Twitter handle again? I, I got it wrong last Burke time. Burke McBurkinson. Burke McBurkinson. That's it. That's right. Um, and Aaron is at Beyond Sandrock. No, or is it at? Oh, uh, no, no, just at Aaron Carson. At so. Aaron Carson, yeah. And, and uh, you can- yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, you can find me Raylery podcast streaming. Yep. Um, yeah, twitch.tv slash Raylery podcasting. And Bill is on the RPPR Discord. So, uh, and you, you can you can talk to him if you want. Um. <laughs> I otherwise avoid social media. It is the <laughs> privilege that I labor under. Yeah, boy. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.